Christy Bilbrey. Right after college, I started my career in the Senate press office and then the White House. For the next seven years, I worked in corporate marketing before starting my own business. As soon as I did, the one thing I realized that none of those experiences taught me was how to market myself. Promoting yourself can mess with your head. Discovering brand storytelling and learning how to put it to work in my messaging saved my business. Once I learned this, I started teaching other business owners how to put it to work in their business as well. I created the Business That Story Built podcast to help strengthen the stories we tell ourselves and the stories we tell others. Audiences crave the human side of businesses. They want to get to know you, follow you, and interact with you outside of the buying experience. This can be intimidating to say the least. If you're ready to take your mindset and your messaging to the next level, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Thank you so much for joining today. We have someone who, like me, loves brand story, loves to delve into that, and he is also an email marketing expert. Kyle Stout is the founder of Elevate and Scale, a leading digital marketing agency that helps seven-figure product-based entrepreneurs elevate their brand and scale their growth. Kyle is an authority on how leveraging email marketing can vastly increase revenue by improving customer retention, increasing average order value, and driving repeat purchases. Kyle started his career in digital marketing back in 2013 as a freelance copywriter where he honed his skills in brand storytelling and email marketing. Once he had developed a set of frameworks that work consistently across different niches, he started Elevate and Scale in 2019, specializing in email marketing for e-commerce businesses. Kyle is a husband and proud girl dad living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. When he's not working, he enjoys working out, staying active outdoors, hosting family cookouts, and traveling. Thanks so much for joining, Kyle. Thank you for having me. So tell me, what what are your favorite outdoor activities? Uh, well, these days, playing with my daughter, so it's, you know, running around the splash pad or <laughs> running around in the backyard. But um, in general, I was always big into mountain biking growing up. Oh, okay. Um, I don't do that as much now, though. Now I really just more like hiking, walking, um, and again, just like whatever family activities we get into. Yeah. Yeah, I love hiking. So um, we sometimes go on trips just to get some good hiking in and escape the heat here. So I mm-hmm. totally get that. Um, so I love that in your bio, you you give your story. You do a really good job encapsulating. Here's my story. You are a fan of brand story. Um, I know you came from um, from copywriting, but specific, but not all copywriters love to focus on brand story. So what was it that really drew you into brand story? Well, it really, as I was going, I started out as a freelance copywriter, just self-taught, just, you know, YouTube, Google, just okay. trying to learn everything and studying everyone. And I realized the more research I would do in a market or for the target customer, the better the copy ended up being, right? No surprise there. Um, And then, but really, you know, beyond just being able to talk on the basic features and benefits, if you look at brands like Apple, the, the brands that everyone aspires to, they always 
they say things without saying them directly. They, they tell a story by painting a picture. Mm-hmm. And I always would try to infuse that sort of language in the copy I was using, not really thinking about storytelling necessarily. I was just going along doing this um, until I just happened to stumble upon the concept of brand storytelling. And I realized, oh, this is anytime... I just coincidentally put together some copy that something about it just felt different. And it just, it really had that, uh, it really resonated more than other things I had created. I realized, oh, I was accidentally using some of these storytelling frameworks. I just, at the time, wasn't really, you know, intentionally doing it. So then I started looking into that more and I realized, oh, this is like the most effective framework for writing copy that I've ever found. Yeah. No, I I 100% agree with that. And it is, it's it's almost like, why is this working? What's happening? And and you kind of deconstruct it and realize, oh, that's kind of the X factor here. Um, so I guess one, one question is, why do you think brands don't do more of that? Uh, I think when you hear the term brand story, brands feel like, they think you're talking about the origin story because, you know, you hear like, um, you know, the the stories of someone started their business in the garage and it, it sounds cool, like they built it up and and they think, well, my story is not that exciting. I'm just an investor and I saw this market opportunity and I wanted to create my business and they think I can't tell that story. People won't care about that. But it's not really about your biographical story always, unless you have a really cool, interesting story. Sure. It's more about the story you're telling for your customers and, and the why behind your products and services and, you know, just getting into more of whether it's a lifestyle or um, if you're helping someone grow their business, you know, whatever it is that, that your customers are trying to get out of your products or services, it's telling stories around that stuff because that's what they really care about. And I think people, uh, if people just understood that a little more, they wouldn't be so intimidated about telling the story in the first place. Right. I, I feel like there's this this kind of myth that you have one story, one story to tell, and there's all this pressure. And then you feel like, well, I've already told my story. What more is there? What do you What do you recommend to brands to kind of tap into seeing multiple angles and and facets of stories that it's like you have endless stories and I mean, do you have any tips for people on how to start brainstorming more of their stories? Yeah, I mean, so first you could just look at basic buyer persona research or there's different terminology, customer avatars, you know, whatever um, you call it. You can and you can find a million resources online for that. But really, it's just first understanding who are your ideal customers, um, not just their demographics, but understanding like what makes them think. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what drives their buying decisions. So, you know, what are all their questions, concerns, sales objections, but then, you know, what are the problems you, that your products or service solve for them and not just tangible problems, like you help them make more money or, um, you know, you, if you're selling, you know, say you build fences and you built, you created them a fence. Yeah. You've solved that, but, but the intangible things like the emotional problems. Um, they're, you know, you look into, uh, insecurities or fears or worries or their innermost desires, the things that really drives them. 
um, and you start to tap into those things. So if you don't even understand that in the first place, you can't really tell a story that's engaging. So, yeah. So, so if you get a list of all those things, those can provide a bunch of topics for you. So then it's looking at like, okay, where's the intersection of all these things that they care about and my products or services. And, you know, how can I create content where I'm somehow educating or inspiring, or maybe I'm fighting for the same cause that they believe in. And then I just kind of insert my product or service in that messaging somewhere as either a solution or, um, you know, it could just be something that if you just talk about shared values, you don't have to always have a story that solves the problem. It could just be that you have shared values with them. So they feel compelled to want to choose your brand over another brand for that reason alone. Oh, I feel like more and more, I feel like that's huge, a huge factor in buying decisions. So yeah. Yeah. And, And I think people, they're so focused on selling like, oh, this has to be, you know, such a perfect fit. I have to share everything that's so great instead of just stepping back and saying, okay, human to human here, what are our goals? What do we like? What are we striving for? And I think it's, yeah, kind of taking that, taking that step back and seeing so many, so many angles that um, when we put the pressure on just our specific product, we could easily miss. Now you mentioned the emotional part of it. What do you recommend um, that I think dependent on the the brand, the owner that might uh, scare them off? Like, oh, what, what do you mean? I have to get emotional? Like, so, so what do you recommend? And, and I guess, how are you defining first tapping into the emotional side of brand stories? And, you know, I'm, I'm sure people have heard that it's the emotions, you know, people buy with their emotions and stories sell with emotion. So how do you recommend kind of digging a little deeper to get into that emotional side and what should that look like? Okay. So brands definitely are leery about this. This is conversation I've had, you know, many times over the years where, um, a lot of people feel like you're being manipulative by tapping into those emotions. Mm. And the, the truth is that if you leverage these emotions, you are going to influence those people. It's good. You're going to have a stronger effect on influencing these people. And what I tell people up front, because first of all, if no one's, if you're not willing to do this, you're just, uh, I feel like you have to be kind of convinced that, uh, or give yourself permission that it's okay to talk about these emotions and to tap into these emotions with yeah. people. So I always tell people like, look, if you, if you believe in your products and services, you know, that the intent is to help them then uh, you influencing them to get that solution or to get that help is is a good thing, right? If you, But right. if you're trying to trick them into buying something they don't actually want or need, well, now sure. you are manipulating and that's, that's very different. So, um, but some examples would be, uh, so I, I can give you, uh, I'll give you one from a company I worked with where we were selling vacation homes in other countries. So this is a situation where the type of buyer has to buy this with cash. It's not something they need. To be completely honest, the ones we were selling were not any better than other ones on the market. And up until that point, they weren't having any success because they were talking all about uh, square footage and building materials and all the feature stuff. Mm -hmm. But then we changed the conversation to legacy and this is a place where you're going to create memories with your kids and with your grandkids. And then you're going to be able to pass this on to your kids and they will pass this on to their grandkids. 
and you start tapping into for a lot of people, a lot of people who are successful, who were the target buyer who could afford to buy a home like that, they're in a stage of life where they've already accomplished a lot. They already feel pretty good about themselves in, um, you know, in a lot of ways, but they're, they're thinking legacy now and they're starting to feel like, have I done enough for my kids and my grandkids, you know? And we, when we started tapping into that, it come, I mean, it just completely changed the response. Not only did everyone mm-hmm. or people actually responding, but, but they started booking tours for these homes and we started selling a bunch of these homes. And another example for something that's maybe, cause that's a, that's kind of an obscure thing. Let's just say we're talking about like a fitness product, or you could be an online fitness coach. You could be selling supplements, whatever. Okay. If you're looking at these, these emotions, people are trying to reach fitness goals. Yes. We all want to be healthy, of course, but usually our fitness goals are rooted in some sort of insecurity. So um, I know for myself as a guy, when I was coming up uh, as a little kid, I w- or actually all through my teenage years, I was very skinny and I was very insecure about it. And I wanted, and when I got into my twenties, I wanted to build a lot of muscle, like, cause mm-hmm. I was just insecure about being skinny. And so all the marketing that targeted skinny guys wanting to bulk up, that always had an effect on me. And for, there's going to be other people where maybe they struggle with their weight, where they were overweight. And that's mm-hmm. like, that's something that really sticks with people. And a lot of times brands are scared to talk about that because they're scared of, of hurting people's feelings, but there's a way to do it respectfully. And if you don't talk about the things that are really the actual emotional triggers, then you don't really stand out. And also people don't get the sense that you understand them truly. And that you're actually fighting for what's really going on inside their minds emotionally. Yeah, it's much more genuine. Yeah, exactly. And, it's, and especially if you like if you're in the coaching space or whatever, and you kind of like, if you share your story, share your own personal insecurities, and how you've, you know, gone through that journey, then that just makes those people resonate with you so much more because they understand that you get it. And if again, it's like, if you don't talk about this stuff, you're competing at, okay, who has the highest quality supplements or who has, you know, whatever, but, Mm -hmm. but people want to do business with people that know and like them. And if they feel like you really understand what they're going through and you're here to help them through this journey, they're going to want to work with you more than other people. Right. Yeah. They want someone who listens, understands their needs. Mm -hmm. So when you start moving this into email marketing and people are thinking about, you know, I guess maybe we can break this into to more the newsletter broadcast style people are maybe sending those weekly and often think well i've already shared my story so what else am i supposed to put in these email am i just supposed to keep telling my same story in my emails so what do you recommend i guess first on kind of the newsletter style where you're frequently um getting in touch with your audience this way what are different ways that people can share stories in those types of emails? Okay. So yeah, that's, that's a really good point that usually you're going to tell your story in that first welcome series or whatever it is, the first opt-in series, but telling your brand story is not so much about that one specific story you've defined. And it's more about just all the content that you're putting out in general and what does that say about your brand and what does that show about your understanding of your customers? So, you know, to go back to um, like a supplement business example, because those are so common um, and there's going to be different types of customers, but let's just say you're 
target customers are people where they are drawn to supplements because they like it as an alternative to um, pharmaceutical drugs. Like they would just prefer a more natural solution for different reasons. So the more you can educate them on different natural remedies and lifestyle changes they can make and preventative things that they can do to stay healthy, the more you are continuing to tell the story of what your brand is all about because you're helping them achieve what they want, but you're also just, you're talking about something that they, you know that they care about and you're doing it consistently. And another thing you can do is you can, you can actually just share customer stories. So customers will leave reviews um, or maybe they'll you know send you emails and you don't have to always share their name, but you can take what they've told you and you can share their stories. So it doesn't have to always be that they took this product and they got this results. Uh, I mean, that's, that's great. Like everyone loves a good testimonial, sure. but a lot of times the stories are going to be things where just the fact that you were putting out content consistently for them helped keep that person motivated mm -hmm. and kept them on track towards what they were trying to do. And just sharing that alone, again, sharing that journey of letting people see this before and after kind of experience that people are having, um, with or without your products, but associated with your content is continuing to tell the story that you're trying to create. Yeah, and I know you touch on like values and and sharing. So some people have a list of these are our brand's values and sometimes even just sharing a story of picking one and a story of why. And like you said, it's just one facet, just share one facet and different facets and that builds up over time. Like you said, it, it, could, it could be motivating your audience to continue engaging with you or, you know, buying from you or it's wherever they are on the journey. So yeah, it can, it can look like all different things. Um, so moving more into just email marketing, um, across the board. So what do you recommend for people who maybe they're like, I've tried it. It's not working for me. I'm not seeing results. So when you, and, and if they look at the stats and pull up the stats, oh, well, this is, you know, this is actually one of the most effective ways to sell. Well, why isn't it working for me? So when it comes to turning an email marketing strategy into a sales machine, what do you feel like uh, kind of hinges that success? So it's like, this is, and, and everybody's different, but what are kind of key factors that you think successful, people who are successful with sales, with email marketing, these are things that um, are factors. Okay, so there, there are a lot of factors. Um, <laughs> I would say there's two broad categories of things to look at, and then we can go deeper in you know, wherever, whatever direction you wanna go. Um, the first two things I always look at with any business are first you have, I would call, I call it sales process optimization. So really it's just the automated emails that are directly tied to your sales process. So if you are a service business um, and let's say that you're creating social media, I'm sorry, you're creating content to get people to come to your site and then you've got something to get people to opt in and now they've opted in and maybe you're trying to get them onto a sales call and then maybe there's um, a follow-up you know, presentation or, or sending them uh, you know, some materials or whatever. In between every step of the sales process of them going from being a stranger to being a customer, there's a gap where a certain percentage of people are going to fall off. Mm -hmm. And with email marketing 
tools, you can have automated emails in between every step of your sales process. And so that's the first place to look, because if you have people actively in your sales process right now, um, unless, I mean, unless you're just a genius, you're not converting 100% of them. So right. you could be increasing the revenue you get from all the stuff you're doing for your active marketing right now. So that's the first place I look because it's usually where there's the most low hanging fruit opportunity. Okay. Um, and most businesses honestly aren't doing too much besides maybe like one, you know, automated series. That's just like an introductory series, mm -hmm. which for e-com that would be like a welcome series or for a service business that would be, you know, a lead magnet follow-up kind of series. Then you have the other big piece would be your ongoing email marketing. So these are the campaigns that you're sending out on a weekly basis or bi-weekly or however often you're doing. Um, and this is where you can really get into more of the upside of email marketing because all the automated stuff, you're going to be limited to how much traffic you, ha you have coming to your site and how many people who are actively engaging in your sales process. Mm -hmm. And then for all the people who don't buy from all those automations, they're just now sitting on your list and they can, again, depending on the type of business, either be nurtured to get a sale later if it's a service business or mm -hmm. if it's um, an e-commerce business, you can be getting either that first purchase later or be driving repeat purchases from people. And that's where you, uh, with um, your campaigns, that's why I say there's more upside because as your list grows, you're going to be able to get a lot more of that repeat business. And the campaigns are really where where I see people um, not really knowing what steps to take because they just, they uh, run out of ideas of what content to create emails around. Um, and they, a lot of times just aren't thinking beyond the traditional weekly or monthly newsletter. So what would be, what would be um, some ideas or what you'd recommend to, to help brainstorm other options for them if they feel like they're running out of content or if their content is falling flat um you know whether that's with brand story i know from from some of the e-commerce clients that i worked with their struggle and why they came to me was they said i feel like what we're taught is that all of our emails have to promote a sale and so we're constantly just chasing the sale and how are we actually going to stay, how are we really developing a relationship if all we're doing is chasing the sale, this constant e-commerce, here's our new product, or here's what's on sale, or here's the pre-sale. Um, so what do you recommend to kind of get out of that rut and start bringing something that's going to actually develop a relationship with our audience? Okay. So, and that is the, probably that's one of the biggest mistakes that e-com brands make is only emailing when they have a sale mm -hmm. and not doing more emailing beyond that. So the first part is doing that research on your customers that we talked about earlier. So now you've kind of got this list of potential topics, at least based around their uh, wants, needs, fears, concerns, all that kind of stuff. Then another thing you can do, and this is what I, I really recommend this, especially for e-commerce brands, is to use segmentation with your email service provider. So by creating so segmentation is just really creating smaller groups of people within your entire email list. So there's a few broad categories of segments I recommend you start with. So one would be an engagement-based 
segment. So these would be, uh, we would call them like 30 day engaged, 60 day engaged, 90 day engaged, so on. And what that means is that that person has engaged with your emails in the last 30 days or 90 days or whatever. And by engaged, when you're setting up these, setting up these rules, that would just mean that they've opened an email in the last 30 days, they've clicked or they visited your site. And you can change your rules for how you create your segments, but this is just a good starting point. Um, and the thinking with these engagement-based segments is that the people who are more engaged want more emails from you and the people who are less engaged want fewer emails. So uh, for like, if you're, you know, if you're emailing more often, so, and all the general topics that you would send out that aren't sales, you would have them more often go to the 30 day engage versus a 60 or 90 day, which might only get the big sales. And we'll talk about some potential topics uh, for all these emails. Okay, great. But the segment is, is important because yeah. the segment is going to help you plan what the topic for the email is. So other segment examples would be customer lifecycle segments. So breaking up leads versus one-time customers versus repeat customers versus VIP customers. And again, mm -hmm. uh, the just some of the thinking behind this is that if you are sending an email to someone who's never purchased before, you do need to include more information about, um, about your brand and about the benefits of the particular product because they're just not sold on either your brand or your products yet. Versus a VIP customer, you don't need to talk about any of that stuff anymore. This is a very close friend. This is someone who's in the same club as you. This is someone where you're joking around and they're in on the joke too. Um, you're, it's like, you're really talking, you really want to be like, you're talking to a close friend and you want to say things that only they would understand, um, because That's they good. get it right. Mm -hmm. So it's a different conversation and it's going to feel different for them to get that email. And then another broad category would be, uh, product interest groups. So people who are, who have, um, you know, visited a product page and added to car, but maybe they didn't purchase, um, and then people who have purchased that product before and then repeat buyers of those products. So again, it's just context. When you come back to them, you have some information on their level of interest about a product. It changes how you talk about it. So now that you've got these different segment groups, you've got these different top issues, you've got these different ideas of the uh, buying motivations of these different people. Now it's time to come up with, okay, what's my reason for showing up in your inbox today? So some easy things to start with would be, um, I like to go deep into a particular benefit. So rather than sending an email about a product and listing a 10 bullets of these are all the benefits, I'll take one benefit and make the whole email only about that thing. So it's mm -hmm. like, you know, really, you know, again, telling the story of why is this a problem for that person in the first place and why this product is the perfect solution for that thing. And the reason why I, I do this and um, why I think we've seen it work really well is because if you think about anything you buy, there could be 10 particular, you know, benefits that that company is pushing about that thing, but there's really two or three that you care about the most. The other are like, you don't care or they're nice to have, mm -hmm. but everyone's different. So the two or three for you will be different than the two or three for me. So if I send an email and I go deep into one particular benefit, all the people who really cared about that are going to raise their hand and show that they're interested by clicking through on that email and also by purchasing. Right. And as you go along and you've over time sent 10 different emails, drilling deep into each of these 10 different benefits, not only um, are you calling out all these individual people by giving them a little, you know, like really going deep on the thing they care about, 
you've also now learned which benefits of the 10 that the, the majority of your people care the most about. So then going forward now, it's like, well, these four things seem to be the only ones people care mm. about. Now we're only focusing on these four and not the other six anymore. And that just makes future marketing easier. So, um, and then and we can get into even more topics. Another like really uh, easy thing to just get ideas would be to go to nationaltoday.com. Every single day, there's there's 10 made up holidays, like National Cat Day, <laughs> National Cuppies, Couples Day, whatever. Right. Um, and you know, every so often, that's a fun one to throw in, like yeah. once a month. Uh, and you don't have to do a sale either. Just make it fun. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a fun holiday. Uh, that's an easy go-to if you're just really, really short on ideas. Yeah, no, I really like the way you're talking about segmenting and kind of letting that do the work for you. I mean, that I think will will really help if people step back and look at it that way and much more effective approach um, by far. And then again, also looking at the benefits and saying, okay, don't try to squeeze everything into one. And so not only are you really digging deep and connecting and highlighting, but you're also kind of using it as research and seeing which ones connect the most so that that directs where you go. So it's very strategic, um, as well as obviously helping with the consistency of a weekly type of newsletter. So, oh, that's, I love that. Um, and I know we've, we've spent quite a bit of time on this already, but is there, are there any other pieces that you really would like to, any final piece of advice you want to leave people with for email marketing? You know, the, the big thing is that email started as a way to have conversations. And like you mentioned earlier, a lot of brands, because what happens is people see other brands doing this. So they think that this is what they're supposed to do. And they think they're thinking too transactional and they're thinking mm-hmm. too much. Like I've got to have a sale. I've got to have some, I, I think they feel like it's not okay to show up in someone's inbox if you're not offering a discount and it's just not the case. It's if you can take a step back, really understand what your people care about and you just have something that's interesting, whether it's again, you know, educating them, whether it's telling a story, whether it's a fun made up holiday, whether it's going deep into a specific problem that they're trying to solve. There's almost unlimited reasons to show up as long as you're doing it with the intention of caring about them. And you're just continuing that conversation of what, you know, they really care about. And that's how I like to think about email going, you know, on an ongoing basis is think of it as a conversation. And another fun thing you can do is just reference back old emails. And Hmm. sometimes for like, for new subscribers, they're kind of like, Oh man, I've been missing out, you know? Right. And for the people who stick around, it's, it helps again, it feels like a real relationship with someone, a real conversation or a real, um, you know, it's like, it actually feels like you have been talking for a while when you have those reference points, if you remember the stuff (laughs) from the past. Um, but yeah, it's really, I would tell people just get back to having a conversation. Don't be afraid to have a conversation. You don't have to always have a discount to get people to buy. Yes, love it. And and I think that's so funny about referencing uh, previous emails because you could say the same thing with TV shows. They're the people who are like, oh my gosh, I get that reference. That's hilarious. I saw that episode and the people who have the FOMO like, wait, what are they talking about? I didn't see that. And and it does, it kind of stirs up, ooh, I need to 
I need to really pay attention because I don't want to miss those going forward. So that's that's great. It really kind of just brings back the human aspect. Don't just think of this as uh, this is this, you know, piece of my business, very transactional when you put that human side to it. And this is a this is a person who, you know, cares about the same things you do. So, oh, that's great. Thank you so much, Kyle. I really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yes, and we'll see you all next week. To succeed in business, you need brand awareness, authority, and trust. To get those, you need visibility. Podcasts offer each of these. It's a unicorn platform because it gives you the scarcest resource in digital marketing, attention. Did you know that 80% of podcast audiences listen to the entire episode and more than 50% consider buying from a brand or individual that they discover on a podcast? Building your own show and audience takes years. Grow faster by guest speaking on other podcasts to get more leads, build your SEO and strengthen your brand. To learn how my agency can help, email me at hello at christybilbury.com.